You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 153, Wesley Ross Harris and Growing Faith and Mental Illness. Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of Halfway There. I'm glad that you've downloaded. This is Eric Nevins, as always, your humble host. Of course, this is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I want to invite you, if you have not already done so, go out to halfwaytherepodcast.com. Scroll down a little bit. There is a place where you can sign up for our mailing list so that I can notify you about when new episodes are available. There's also a little PDF that I uh, put together called What to Do When You're Mad at God, because the reality is that happens, uh, and it's a little biblical look through uh, the book of Habakkuk for some insights about how we can handle uh, being frustrated with God. So you can check that out again, halfway there, podcast.com and then uh, get on the mailing list so I can send you uh, notifications when each episode goes out every single week. All right. Well, having said that, uh, thank you so much for being here today. Our guest, he's an author and a personal trainer, and uh, he shares very vulnerably about struggling with mental illness. That is something that's been in the news a lot lately. Um, which we recorded this months ago, so couldn't could not have um, planned that. But uh, it is a topic that I think we need to discuss more, and we need to have some action on the part of people in the in the church, you and I, um, in order to to kind of advance the care for not just souls but also emotions in our psyche. Um, I guess that all those things are wrapped up together, right? But that that's that's what we're going to talk about. So today our conversation is with Wesley Ross Harris. It's called Growing Faith and Mental Illness. And uh, if you're somebody who's struggling with mental illness, here's what I want you to know. You're not alone. And if you need help, get that help. It is available and you can talk to people. I hope that you'll do that. Okay, here's the conversation. Wes, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad that you are here. Um, we we aren't too far from each other. We've had a chance to hang out and have some coffee, and you're doing some cool things, so I'm looking forward to just hearing a bit of your story. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what where you are now? Yeah, so I work as a personal trainer at a gym uh, in Denver, Colorado, and um, I also have written... Uh, several books. I think I have six up on Amazon right now. And I also own a website called perseveringhope.com. That's a website. Our goal is to um, basically be a online community dedicated to helping suffering people find hope in God. And so uh, we publish an article about once a week. I have some volunteer writers who help me out. Um, So I spend a lot of my time writing and, you know, uh, training people in fitness. Yeah, which is awesome. Um, so that's, a definitely an underserved from a Christian perspective, um, community, I guess, people who need to hear that, Hey, there is, there is hope for wherever you are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Well, let's go back. So you're not, you're living in Colorado, but you're not from here, right? Right. Where did you grow up and what was that like? 
Yeah, so my dad was in the military, and uh, so I was born in California. We moved to Germany and Austria. My dad was stationed there. Um, unfortunately, I was too little to remember it. Uh-huh. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, we we lived there. We went, and then we moved to West Point, New York. Uh, my dad was a German instructor at the military academy there. We were there until I was about in first grade. Then we moved to uh, a place, a suburb of Austin, Texas, basically just north of Austin. Um, both sets of my parents are from Texas. All, okay. you know, all my grandparents, everyone's, we're, we're Texas people. So we were kind of displaced, you know, being in the military. We were all over. And uh, so once we got to Texas, we were kind of home. I was there in that suburb of Austin uh, from about, uh, you know, first, second grade to ninth grade. Then my family and I picked up and moved to Austin. Actually, like pretty much, you know, pretty close to downtown Austin. So I attended sophomore year of high school through, um, and I graduated high school there. And then I actually went, uh, I ended up graduating at the University of Texas at Austin. So I ended up doing college there too. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, got married um, and pretty shortly after college. And then my wife and I decided to move up to Colorado. So we've been here about three and a half years. Yes. Yeah, so what do those bumper stickers say? They say, uh, I'm not a native, but I got here as soon as I could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm that way too. You know, I don't know. It took me a long time. Yeah, (laughs) that's funny. But I like it up here. So spiritually, you're you're moving around. What was that? What was that like for you? Was your family a Christian family, or what was that? uh, You know, what was that? Was it like? And how did you kind of interact with God as a kid? Yeah, so we were a Christian family. I mean, my whole you know extended family, we're, we're all identified as Christians for sure. So we went to. I think primarily Methodist churches when I was growing up. And so, you know, faith was a part of our lives. I, you know, as a kid, I didn't really understand it. I didn't really, honestly, I didn't care about it. I thought church was just extremely boring. I just hated going to church. My parents had to drag me. You may not have been wrong. It might've been boring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and I was also really reserved. So, I mean, youth group didn't do a whole uh, lot more for me. So, gotcha. um, I didn't really care for church growing up. I didn't really, I cared, you know, more about what I was doing and, you know, doing football and stuff in Texas. I grew grew up, you know, caring more about that than I did about God or. Sure. So I didn't really, yeah, didn't know. I wouldn't, I I would say that I did not know Jesus during those times. Um, And, you know, the moving when I was little, that didn't really affect me too much because I was really too young. And, but once my move, uh, once my family picked up and moved to Austin, um, it was kind of a, um, you know, to people who haven't been to Austin, you know, in Texas, this may sound weird, but it was a culture shock, um, moving to Austin. So I had to go through a transition period and my faith was really, uh, that's where my faith really, uh, you know, became real. Uh, yeah, going it, through that time. Well, interesting because Austin is the heart of the Bible Belt, right? Like it's. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I wouldn't say that. You wouldn't say that. Okay, what would uh, you say? I would say t- basically all of Texas is Bible Belt, but what? But Austin is kind of weird. Yeah. It's a different place. So. Yeah, all of Texas pretty much is Bible Belt except for Austin. Ah, uh, okay. That's how it is. Yeah, yeah. Austin's a little island. Okay. So, uh, so that was the culture shock. A lot of it was. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Because it's just a different world. People are not as religious. Yeah. I mean, you you just go, you know, 
from a suburb. You just drive like 30 minutes into Austin and it's just a completely different world. I've been to Austin, but I didn't get to go out much. I just, I had, we had some Tex-Mex and that was about it. But uh, anyway, well, that's a different story. Um, okay. So, so you get there. So you said that that's where your faith really became your own. What, how did that happen? Yeah. So I, you know, coming up to that point, I had never had any problems with depression or mental illness. Um, when we moved to Austin, I basically, it was just a transition. It was a hard transition for me. I was a sophomore in high school. I mean, you know, I was a teenager. I was not very mature. And so I didn't feel very connected at my school. I got really lonely and I started feeling depressed. And along with that, not, not just like, Oh, I'm lonely or I'm kind of blue, but just for me, it was just, just the, the pure exhaustion of depression. And like, I can barely move and I can barely get out of bed. I can't concentrate in school anymore. Um, so it was more than just like, Oh, I'm kind of lonely. It was like, it was, it was kind of a, getting hit by a train, honestly. So I was not ready for it. Uh, my faith was not there. So during that time, that's when I started because of that struggle. That's when I started reaching out to God and praying and, um, can't, you know, really explain it, but really over a course of a month, I think it was like that March, um, you know, that course of a month, I really started seeing this big change in my life. And I think God really swooped in, into my heart during that time. Well, what was that like? So what kind of things would you say to God and, and kind of take us into that experience? Yeah, it was just, it was kind of, it was a lot of confusion on my part. I didn't know, you know, what the heck was going on. I thought my, I kind of had a trajectory. I wanted my life to go on and it, this was not part of the plan. So I was, you know, kind of distressed and um, I had a lot of, again, loneliness and I was, had a lot of tearfulness. I was crying a lot. Um, and so I really started praying to God. A lot of it, honestly, was just crying out for help. Like, God, you know, help me. And I don't know what's going on. I don't know where you are. Just help, you know, help me just to make it right now. Um, just a lot of crying out to God. And, and it wasn't, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of conversation on my part. Uh, just, it was a lot of crying out to God. Yeah. But you turned your attention to him. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is really important. Yeah, I felt like at that time I didn't really feel like I had anything else going for me. I, I didn't, um, you know, the football that I was so into at that time, it was just not, it wasn't the same anymore. Some of that was part of the depression and just, you know, the loss of interest that comes with it. I just didn't care about school much. I didn't care about really anything. So God was really the only hope I had. And I was like, if you know, if you're not, if you're not real and you're not going to help me out here, then I just, I don't know what else is going to, that's the way I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a difficult thing to go through. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. How did that change you? It's, it changed me a lot. I mean, uh, in a way I'm really, really thankful for it. I don't know if I would have ever, you know, you know, if I hadn't been knocked around like that, in a sense, I don't know if I ever would have turned to God because I thought I had my life together pretty well. So it changed me because it, like you said, it turned my attention pretty much solely to God. And I felt like I had to rely on him pretty much to get through every day. And I mean, when you do that, 
as you know, I mean, when you do that, you can change a lot because, you know, you, God really uses that to um, conform you into his character. You know, when you're constantly talking to him and you're constantly crying out to him, then, you know, your, your character kind of conforms to his image. And so I was, I started feeling um, up to that point, I, I didn't really, I felt kind of selfish basically, but I started really feeling just this, um, I don't know, maybe love is a strong word, but just this kind of, uh, you know, love for my classmates and wanting to reach out to them and just be nice and uh, show them God's love. And it was just not something I had done previously. So um, that's where God really started, uh, started the change. Yeah. So it sounds like you started to turn your attention from how you were feeling to how you could help others. That's a good way to put it. And yeah. that also, that, that is huge, right? Cause it then gives you something else to focus on and uh, maybe some, some motivations for action. So what did you do? Like what kind of things, how would you help people or, th- or help, help your friends? Yeah. So like I said, one of the things was just being nice. And I mean, again, I was a high school student, so it was just things like seeing, seeing my friends in the hallway and, um, you know, always saying hi. And that was not, I was, again, I was really reserved. So it was not something I really said I I did, you know, on my own. It was just, um, always trying to have a smile on my face when I saw someone else, uh, you know, give them a hug, you know, ask them how they were doing. And just, again, like you said, just really trying to focus on them and how they were doing and give, I got my attention off myself and I don't really give credit to myself for that, but I was able to get my attention off myself and onto the other person and just ask how they were doing and talk to them and can, you know, focus on them. Um, and I also started, I was, you know, I was a big football player and I was still playing football even after the depression hit. So I was, I was actually taking some of the middle school kids and after our, you know, football workouts, I basically trained them. I I'd, I'd just spend like 30 minutes of my time. I wasn't getting paid for it or anything. I just, I just started, I would, you know, talk to them and get to know them. And, um, I'd ask them if they wanted to train after, you know, after practice. And a lot of them would say yes. And so we'd spend like 30 minutes and I just helped them train for football. Just little things like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So where did you go from there? Cause I'm, there's a lot more to stages of growth here. So like, how did you, where, where'd you go? This was high school. And then uh, eventually you ended up in, in college. I don't know. Did you play in college or what did you do in college? No, I, I did not play football in college. So I was really just a pretty much a regular student. Gotcha. And where'd you go? So um, I went to the University of Texas at Tyler in Northeast Texas my freshman year. And then I transferred from there to the University of Texas at Austin. And I was there the rest of the time. Yeah. What did you want to do? Um, at first I didn't really know. That's everybody. Uh, was, yeah. Nobody knows. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, I was an English major starting out. I knew I had, uh, as a uh, kid, I was really into reading and writing. When I started playing football, I was like, ah, oh, you know, that's dumb. <laughs> and uh, I stopped doing it. Oh, very then, interesting. Yeah. But really, actually it was, it was, uh, after I became, you know, became a believer and, I started getting into the Bible and that actually started kind of opening up my intellectual life again. And I started reading just all of other books and mm. really I got back into reading and writing basically. So I thought, okay, you know, I'm into this, so I'll do this in college. I did it as an English major. And then I started thinking, 
you know, okay, maybe I should do this. You know, if you're an English major, what are you going to do? Um, so I said, okay, I'll be a teacher because I did want to want to coach sports as well. So it made sense. Um, and so I did a teacher preparation program at the end of my time at the University of Texas. Uh, and I also took some kinesiology classes and coaching classes. So that was that was helpful for me. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I find that really interesting that when you were younger, you wanted to, or you were reading and writing, you were, that was kind of your thing. When you got into football, it was like, that was not cool. Yeah. But that's when you had depression, right? So you may, maybe, and I don't know if you've made this connection. It's not, I'm not trying to make it for you. I just, uh, I see that like, is it possible that your identity, because you, you went away from it into this, something else that's kind of a big culture down there, uh, and kind of lost yourself a little bit. And so you had to find, had to find yourself back in God and he brought you back to, to who you were. I think that's absolutely correct. And mm. I really, I don't think I realized it until, you know, a few years down the road, but yeah, I think that's absolutely correct. I mean, cause yeah, I mean, in Texas, that's what you do. You know, if you're, you're a boy, you're playing, you know, you're any sort of athletic, you're going to play football. And so you, I just kind of went along with the dominant culture and yeah. the dominant culture said, Oh, you know, being smart is dumb, or at least where I was, it's, it was kind of, at least in at that time, I don't know if it's like this anymore, Sure, it's not. <laughs> but you know, being smart is, that's not cool. You know, we're just about playing football and, you know, getting the chicks or whatever. <laughs> and, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, your high yeah, school guys, that's what it was about. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't do reading and writing and, and, but you're right. Whenever I found myself back in God, I, this one, you know, um, the way you put it was good that I found myself again. Yeah. I think that's just really interesting. And that's kind of how it works a lot of times, right? If we're out of sync with our hearts, with who God's made us to be. Um, I know some Christians get a little concerned about that language, but I do believe it when we're out of sync with who, how God made us, then we're not going to, we're not going to be happy, you know, and where God made us to thrive. He called us to do that. So um, yeah, that's what an interesting way to look at that. Okay. So you're, so you're studying and you're, you're, uh, you're reading. Tell us about like, is there a time that you, like you, you were starting to read the Bible? I love the way you put that, by the way, I started reading the Bible and that opened up my intellectual life again. That was really, that's really interesting. Um, is there something like, was there a passage or maybe a lesson or a particular person perhaps who really invested in you that, that kind of changed your kind of your, your discipleship and kind of brought you up a little bit? Yes. So initially I probably like most people, I struggled to understand the Bible. I didn't get what was going on. And uh, so actually um, after my sophomore year of high school, I had been at a, a private school and you know, it was a private Christian school actually in Austin. And then I actually transferred. So it was my third transfer in three years, but um, I, I transferred to another uh, public high school in Austin, and um, I started leading Fellowship of Christian Athletes at that school. And it was it was a tiny Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It was tiny. I barely had anybody, but um, we you know we loved each other. We had a good group. So I was like I I just wanted to do something. I wanted to do something for God, but I didn't feel like I had great tools. I didn't feel like I had the resources. I didn't feel like I had the knowledge to really do a good job. So I just did my best. I actually had a senior. I was a junior that year. I had a senior who I don't remember exactly how I met him, but I think it was through a mutual friend, but he, 
um, he saw that I was doing this stuff and he was really involved in a, in a great church in Austin and he had some people who were discipling him and he actually said, Hey, can, can I, you know, do you, do you want to start meeting with me and we'll kind of go through Bible passages and, you know, I mean, it was a senior in high school. Um, but for a senior in high school, I mean, he, he did a pretty good job, I think. And he started to open up the Bible for me, just my opening up my understanding. And I actually started going to that church that he was going to. And that church really, that, that whole process of studying with him and then doing, going to that church really started to just open up everything for me and open up the Bible and just open up my understanding of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Cause that, that really does happen. If you start to dig into the word a little bit, that's, that's one of those times when we start to learn Jesus, you know? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So to, what happened then? Like what happened after, you know, in your, in your faith life there? So at that point, it was, it was great. I mean, uh, again, I had, you know, when I had transferred to that new school, it was another hard transition. And I mean, I was still, go, I, was still I still had the depression. I still had the exhaustion. But um, really, once I, I started leading that FCA and really throughout that rest of that school year, I made some friends and things got actually better. Uh, and again, you know, there's still some depression there and still feeling the exhaustion and still had trouble in school just with the concentrating. But um, things were better. I mean, my, my understanding of God was really opening up. I was feeling a lot of joy in reading the Bible. I was just like eating, I was just eating it up, honestly. And I was just starting to consume all these other, you know, Christian living books. Mm-hmm. And so things were really good. I was really enjoying that church. I was really getting, a, getting a lot out of it. Um, going into senior year of high school, I got involved with the uh, it was basically a mentorship program with my school. And so I made a lot of friends at my school there. So I ended up really, really loving that school and things were actually really good. I don't, I don't know how I managed to do this, but I was, uh, because I'm so reserved, but <laughs> I was elected prom King. So, oh, um, wow, there you go. Yeah. Things kind of turned around for me. They did. I was, it was doing a lot better. And again, um, I still, you know, had the depression, but it was, I was able to, to be okay. And, and just, I was able to do all right and, um, had better grades and my, you know, I was really enjoying my, my understanding of God and just my walk with God. Um, and that, that went into freshman year of college too, actually. Yeah. So you said you still had the depression. So is that something you think that you still deal, deal with or that you kind of like, is it a season that you've left behind or is it something you'll always kind of deal with? I think for me, it's something I'm always going to deal with because I mm. mean, this was, I'm 20, I'm basically in my late twenties now. And this was when I was 15 and I still have, I still have issues with it. Now, when I was 21, you know, this is obvious if you do math, but it took me like, you know, several years to finally get help. But when I was 21, I did go to counseling and get help and, and I got on medication. So basically all of that, I've had a lot of healing through that. And so things are, I mean, night and day from, you know, several, several years ago when it first started at the same time, I do still deal with the exhaustion. I think that's mainly what I deal with is just the tiredness of depression. And then Mm -hmm. again, the medicine has helped me, but I still, you know, I remember before I had a ton of energy. I was, I was really athletic. I had a ton of energy before depression 
And it's just, it's not the same. I don't think it's ever going to be. I'm okay with that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I still deal with some tiredness. I still deal with some, uh, concentration issues. Um, I do, I mean, if I don't take care of myself, I will, I will get blue. Um, but you know, I've learned how to take care of myself. So there's, there's still some things in there that I, that I deal with as far as the depression. Yeah. Well, I ask that question because I think sometimes, uh, in some places, Christians can look at depression as a thing that is, um, the result of sin or the result of some sort of wrongdoing or something uh, else that it's not necessarily right. And that sometimes you, these are things that in order to, to treat the entire human being, we have to take into account that there's other things that happen and that we are, um, that Jesus still wants to redeem those things. He still wants to do that. Even if it's something that the rest of your life you're dealing with, um, he's still present and he is redeeming, he is redeeming that. Yeah. So we, so the answer is not always, it may help, but it's not always just read your Bible and pray. Right. Like that right. sounds like that helped you, but that's not everything. Um, and so I, I kind of wanted to point that out. I, yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, I could say a lot about that and I kind of wrote about it and, uh, definitely one of my books and, the, you know, my blog posts on my website and stuff. But, um, yeah, I, the, you know, you're, you're, your body is all integrated. Uh, it's integrated with your mind and your spirit. And so, um, I think we should have, you know, like holistic approaches and yeah, I mean, you can probably, you know, have some sin struggle struggles that lead to depression that could probably happen. Um, but it's not, like you said, I don't think that's always the case. Well, they both happens and sometimes they go hand in hand and that's okay. Um, you know what the reality is, I think, I think this is just me, I think we look, well, it's not just me. I'm not the only one, but the, we look at sin, I think, and we give sin too much power uh, in our lives sometimes. And so um, just in the way that we treat it, but that's okay. So, but I want you, I do want you to say more about that because I know that you've written on this. And so tell us about that book and a little bit more about kind of what how your view of, of how these experiences have shaped you and then how that's led to writing. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I wrote a book called anxiety and depression are not always sins. And so that's really where I talk the most about this sort of issue. Um, I'll try and be as concise as possible. I think to me, it it seems like you kind of have to take depression and anxiety and, you know, kind of mental illness on a case to case basis. It, it does bother me when, because I do still see this when Christian leaders and fairly prominent, some fairly prominent Christian leaders um, will kind of put it in a blanket statement and say, anxiety is always a sin. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think it's more complicated than that. Um, And so I just, I think uh, we as a church can do a better job of talking about mental illness and mental health. Um, and yeah, I, um, that's part of my goal and, and what I'm writing about and, and the persevering hope.com is to try and try and change that culture a little bit. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Other thoughts ahead, but 
No, I think that's fantastic. I think I think it's good. I, I love that you did that. So why did you decide to start writing about it? I think this kind of part um, comes into your previous question a little bit that I maybe didn't address. But um, I wrote this book. I, I published it in last November, so this is pretty recent. And like I said, I, I, got, I went and got help for this, uh, medication and counseling, when I was basically 21 and a little bit when I was 22. <clears throat> through that and through the years after that, I just gradually started seeing more and more how the church's teaching negatively affected my mental health. I started seeing that just little by little, and it would bother me just a little more and more. And I'd see it in prominent places. I'd see it with prominent, some prominent evangelical pastors and theologians, and it would bother me even more. And so having seen it in my own life and, you know, just seeing people still talk about it in a way that I thought was harmful, um, I decided that I should, I had these thoughts. And for me, writing is, I have a lot of thoughts that come in my head. And I think C.S. Lewis said something about this, but I have a lot of thoughts that come in my head and I just, I got to, I got to get them out or else they're just going to sit in my head and just be angry, angry bees. Yeah. So for me, that was kind of what happened. I just felt like I had to get it out. And that's what I did when I, when I wrote this book. Yeah, that, so that totally makes sense that you're that you're a writer um, just to kind of get some of those things uh, out of your out of your mind and out into the world and just share. I yeah, I love what you said about sometimes we we'll talk about mental health as if um if you don't have perfect mental health, you're not a good follower of Christ. And I have to say to people who believe that, have you read the Bible? I mean, have you have you ever read any of these people? I mean, I've been reading Jeremiah this year. That guy was you talk about depressed. I mean, that guy was he was a sad guy. Like he was watching and he was defensive sometimes. And you would see him. I read one passage where he he um man, some there was a false prophet who breaks the yoke that he made that God told him to make, and, and so he he just like you know what God's going to kill you, and then it says, and shortly thereafter, this guy died. Right? Like it was okay. Right? That's what you can do when you're a prophet, but very um. But there, God uses everybody, and it doesn't matter where you are in in the journey. It doesn't matter um, even if you are struggling with depression. He still wants to use you. He does, and so I think you did the right thing to kind of call out to him. So, okay, um, so take us up into like so when you decided to start writing, did you journal or I can't remember how you like got into that and and said, okay, this I'm gonna I'm gonna tell this story, and then I'm gonna actually take that risk to like put it on Amazon. I mean, that's, that's a big step. Yeah. So I had written, I had self-published a few books before that. What, so, what, what did you publish though? What was, so, and, and why? Like, mm-hmm. so, um, uh, I think, it, I think it was 2007. I started, I started writing for a volunteer writing for an online Christian magazine. And again, I had really started getting into writing again. Um, really when I was in college, I really started getting into it. And a lot of that was just, you know, through essays, college essays, and I was kind of a bookworm. So I really liked the books and things like that. Uh, but I also, I started to just on the side kind of write essays, um, about church culture. 
and some things I'd see, and just kind of my thoughts about it. So I was just kind of collecting those essays. I eventually I made a I made a blog just on WordPress, free blog, and this was back in 2010, so it was really old. And yeah. you know, kind of just putting those up here and there, and I wasn't super consistent, but anyway. Um, so I was starting to get that train rolling a little bit, that ball rolling a little bit. When I started doing the volunteer writing, then it really started rolling, and I started to get more and more ideas, and and um, I started to write more because of that volunteer writing gig. I mean, I had I, I had to, but the more I did it, the more I wanted to do even more. So that I started doing that, and then I actually through some of the first uh, posts I published on that e-magazine, I decided, okay, I'm going to make this into a, a book. So what I did was actually first before that, I took some of the college essays that I wrote on church culture and I decided, you know what, like, I don't know how many people are going to read this, but, um, you know, I've always, I've wanted to be a writer. I've wanted to do it. I have these thoughts. So I published it on Amazon. So I did that. And then after writing these posts for the e-magazine, I decided I'd write, it was, it was actually a, a basically a memoir of my mental health journey. Um, actually my journey with OCD, which, um, is a little different from the depression, but so I just finished that book of that memoir and I posted that, posted that on Amazon. That's kind of what got the ball rolling. And then, um, uh, it's like a year and a half later, I, I published the, the book I was just talking about, about anxiety and depression. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So that whole, you said the whole thing is a different story in the midst of OCD. Like what is, so give us a little bit of that background. Yeah. So, um, looking back, I can see that I had some symptoms of OCD when I was really little, uh, just, you know, nothing crazy, but just being anxious about random things and not being able to get it out of my mind. Um, no, knowing they were completely irrational thoughts, but just not being able to get out of my mind. And so I'd have these irrational thoughts that would just scare me and I wouldn't be able to sleep. I'd have them for like two or three weeks and then they just kind of end up going away. Um, then whenever I started experiencing the depression, um, it actually got worse at the time. However, I just thought it was part of depression. I didn't know it was OCD. I didn't know it was something kind of different. Yeah. Something different. Give us an example of what that would be like. Just so we can get a feel of like, okay, I want to, I want to get into that. Yeah. So again, one of them was just, I think getting fixated on irrational, anxious thoughts, not being able to get out of my head. Uh, just, um, there's a better word for it, but dwelling on them. Yeah. Um, and another one was, uh, another one was just checking things a lot. So, um, School at that time I was in school, so it was a lot of checking a lot about do I have you know this this and that done on the assignment you know just checking over and over again and I know some people do that but it was like okay in my head I know I've checked this like four times and I know it's there but right. I still have this this thought in my head just kind of pounding at my head saying check it again check it again check it again that was the OCD and again I I just thought it was part of the depression because. Yeah, you know, I I really hadn't experienced that until the depression came along. So I just I just lumped it together and thought, oh, it's just it's just all depression. When it was a little more than that. Okay, so how did you decide? How did you start dealing with it then? Again, counseling and yeah, again, I um, honestly, I just 
I just kind of pushed through um, for like six years. I mean, you know, and again, I had some good times during that time. So it was at times easier to push through. Uh, but then when I went, you know, came back to University of Texas at Austin, I had sort of the same difficulties of just trying to find friends, not feeling connected, started feeling depressed again, grades went down again. Then I was like, okay, um, I really have to get counseling now. So that's when I went and I went to my doctor, got the medication and started counseling. That's when I really, um, actually at that, when I first started, I didn't eat, I still didn't know that I had OCD and it was through counseling talking to, you know, my church community guys that I realized, I don't even remember exactly how it happened, but I realized that I had OCD going on too. And then once I did realize that I went to a counselor specifically for that for a few sessions and it gave me a lot of tools to deal with it. So I still use those, use those tools uh, to this day. And that was, you know, like six years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, what's been most helpful to you? Um, We did, cognitive behavioral therapy and so really for me at least what that was it was a lot of breathing exercises basically so um, for instance if I was you know leaving my apartment and I wanted to check the stove to make sure it was off you know I wanted to check all the burners to make sure they were all off and I would you know I would check them but I would feel again that that pounding in the back of my head saying check them again check them again check them again instead of succumbing to those thoughts and checking it multiple, multiple times. Instead, I would do breathing exercises. So just, you know, just stop, take a deep breath, you know, count to like three or four, and then just exhale, count to, I don't know, three, four or five, and focus on the breathing instead. And it's, you know, I don't know the psychology and everything, but really just doing that kind of helps dissipate the, the anxious thoughts. And it's like, no, actually, I already checked this. It's okay. So I can just move on. Yeah. And the breathing exercises help me do that. Yeah. I love that. Um, I don't know if you've ever done it. We've talked with other people about breath prayers, which is kind of the same idea um, where you are breathing and focusing on your breathing, but um, thinking of it as, okay, I'm breathing in Christ and I'm breathing out my worry. I'm breathing in Jesus love and I'm breathing out my, my um, anxiety or whatever, whatever it is I'm, I'm worried about. Um, yeah. Yeah, similar. It's, hel- it's helpful. I, I, I know um, some people might be skeptical of it, but it it, it is helpful, it's man. Helpful. But here's the thing. Here's and this is what I love about the journey is whenever you're, uh, whenever you have a tool, when you have the right tool, you know it, right? And mm-hmm. when um, when you don't need that tool, you might look at somebody else who uses it and goes, "That's weird," right? Yeah. Um. And so I, I often think that about some people who are very, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a, of a nice word to use, very committed to their own theological <laughs> persuasions, yeah. right? And they don't want to imagine that there's other ways to to uh, deal with it, but they also don't, haven't struggled with the things that you've struggled uh, with. And so, you know, there's there are ways, the reality is the church has handled things um with different practices over the cent- millennia i guess i should say uh w- and there those are available and so you know just even breathing is just one of them so i love that okay well so you're writing at uh perseveringhope.com which i think is awesome and it looks like you have a team of writers you mentioned that earlier that that's pretty cool so you're um you're you're putting things up there 
pretty much pre- pretty consistently is that uh, tell us about again who you're trying to help and and uh, what kind of your goal is for that website. Yeah, so we're trying to help people who are basically who are you know suffering with mental health or some sort of disease or grief and loss whether they're suffering with it or whether they have a, a friend or loved one who's suffering with it and they, and they want to help them. So we're, you know, kind of targeting, you know, an evangelical audience because we're talking about trusting God through it all. So, you know, kind of an evangelical audience we're targeting and just trying to help them just, just make it, you know, um, trying to just give them a little bit of hope here and there, trying to give them maybe a little bit of tools or, or just, you know, yeah. maybe a little bit of encouragement here and there. And, um, yeah, just, just trust God through it all. Um, yeah, well, I'm looking was, through it. Yeah. And one thing you're doing is you're saying, Hey, you're not alone. Right. Absolutely. Is, is, yeah. hey, Cause you're very candid about it here. I was looking at this one that, uh, you just, you start out as, Hey, I've been dealing with, uh, OCD and depression for a little over 10 years. Right. I mean, like just even saying that statement, being willing to put it out there and go, Hey, you're not you're not alone. This isn't unusual. Um, I deal with that too. And so then you start talking about it. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's definitely part of it. And part of it is, again, I mean, you know, breaking the stigma. A lot of it is trying to break the church stigma. Yeah. Of saying, because I know there are some people, I mean, I've seen people on Facebook say, you know, basically that their church is condemning them or kind of shutting them in a cage because of mental health issues. And my hope is to try and reach some of those people and say, no, no, you know, like these, these people, they may mean well, you know, they're followers of God too. You know, Mm. you should still treat them with love. They loved you too. Um, Or at least, you know, in most cases they probably do. But at the same time, you you do have to be able to get out of it or understand where toxic culture might be. And to be able to get out of it because it's, you know, it's not, God doesn't want you to be sitting in a cage feeling like you're trapped and that you, you're really a really bad sinner because I mean, you, you've got anxiety and depression going on and look, Jesus says, don't be anxious. So you must be a really bad sinner. No, we're trying to get people out of that and realize, no, like this is, this is okay. This is totally okay. You can follow God through it and he loves you as much mm-hmm. as, you know, anybody else. And you're not worse off for it. Um, in fact, you can be, if you let it, if you push into God through it, you can be, you can be better because of it. Um, you can love God through it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I love that breaking the stigma of mental health in the church. I think that's so true. So often we assume that you can't be a good Christian if you have mental health issues. And here's the news flash: Everybody's got them, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, even, even Jesus at times struggled with things like, so, um, he was perfect, obviously, but he still wrestled. Like there's that time when um, the whole crowds like start to leave. He, he, he talked about eating his body and, and drinking his blood. So of course people are like, that's weird. They're leaving. And he turns to his disciples and goes, you guys don't want to leave too. Do you? Right. There's this sort of, um, you know, I think we read that sometimes as Jesus just being like challenging. I wonder if there was some, some insecurity there, right? Like is, is this really, you know, uh, are these guys going to stick with me? Um, and we all go through that. Well, that's just a small example, but we, we all go through it. It's normal as part of being human. 
not being certain about what else is is happening. And uh, I love what you said. You can follow God through that. Yes and amen. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Cool. All right. Well, where can people find you and your uh, material? Yeah. So perseveringhope.com. Again, I'll, I'll say it a little slower. It's persevering hope, like perseverance, perseveringhope.com. You can also find me at wrhwriting.com. And that's for just exclusively for my, my books and my, you know, my author page. We have, we have social media uh, for Instagram and Facebook for birthspringhope.com as well. So, yeah. Okay, great. Uh, so, guys, I'll have links to those in the show notes if you guys don't know what show notes are. I just found out. I've been podcasting for three years, and I just found out that when I say show notes, people go, what do you mean? I didn't know that. Uh, it's where I put up all the links, all the stuff. So, we talked about... Uh, we talked about uh, Wes's books and his website it's all up there I've got a short summary of, of what we talked about and I always do a custom picture as well so guys you can go check that out there as well but if you want to connect with Wes definitely do that um, at at uh, Persevering Hope or wrhwriting.com Yep. Is that right? Good. All right, great. So, Wes, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it. I love the focus on mental health. I think it's something not just the church needs to focus on, but the culture needs to focus on more. And uh, I appreciate you sharing your story with us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. 